This program is brought to you by PersonalLifeMedia.com. Hi, and welcome to Green Talk, a podcast series from GreenLivingIdeas.com. Green Talk helps listeners in their efforts to lead more eco-friendly lifestyles through interviews with top vendors, authors, and experts from around the world. We discuss the critical issues facing the global environment today, as well as the technologies, products, and practices that you can employ to go greener in every area of your life. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening in to Green Talk Radio. This is Sean Daly. We're going to be talking about eco-interior design today, and we're going to be talking with Laura Fishman, who is the principal and founder of Storm Interiors, which is www.storminteriors.com. Storm Interiors is a Santa Monica, California-based firm that provides custom interior design services for commercial and residential products. Uh, they specialize in eco-design and the use of sustainable materials in building projects. Laura, welcome to the program. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Well, we're happy to have you. Why don't you tell us how you got into... Let me just start by... I'm always interested to hear people's stories in, in business, and, and I know this is your firm and you founded it. Tell, tell us how you got into eco-design and a little bit your, about your background. Okay. I um, was had a, probably too many professions um, in my past life that I should probably go into, um, but... Oh, no, uh, by all means, please do. No, 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 just because I I just didn't know what I wanted to do, and I didn't really find my driving passion immediately out of college, but I um, went to a program after I had been out of school for a while at college at UCLA, and I had a school of interior environmental design, and I didn't really even know at that point that there was such an actual profession, per se, in interior design versus interior decorating, but I went to this program... Um, in order to get a solid foundation of design and being able to read architectural drawings and my, for myself to be able to draw and so forth and just learn more about materials and design in general. So after I pursued my degree there, I worked for an architect during school, actually, and then after school I worked for a well-known firm here in Los Angeles. And then we, um, my founding partner and I uh, left. Our, we were working at the same company, and we left and decided to do this on our own, and that was in about 2000. So we've been around for about eight years. Um, And when I started uh, doing eco-design, I really didn't know that I was doing eco-design initially, um, however naive that sounds. But one of my passions um, is refurbishing vintage pieces, taking things that you have and giving them a a fresh coat, whether it's, um, you know, doing it. And and now, of course, we want to use low VOC lacquers, paints, et cetera. But I was doing this sort of on my own and even outside of my career for a long time. And my mother uh, would, be, would, would reuse old pieces, and we inherited some nice pieces from our family. So I realized more recently that, okay, this is actually important to do, and it has a lot of – the process is somewhat sentimental for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And many of our clients have items that they – need to hold on to, they want to hold on to, they've inherited, but they don't really know how to incorporate it in their space. So we've sort of, we've kind of created a niche for ourselves, we've ourselves in that, and that we pride ourselves in taking what you have and giving it a new twist. And, um, you know, like, for example, we have a vintage t- uh, changing table that we designed for a client. She didn't want to necessarily buy 
the changing table. She wasn't really that thrilled with many that were on the market, and her house is an older home. She's more of a traditional. She has more of a traditional aesthetic. So we found an old changing table. I'm sorry, an old dresser, and we converted it with one of our craftspeople into a changing table and um, put MDF partitions inside of the changing table and the drawers to make it really compartmentalized and organized when you're in ergonomics for when you're a new mom or dad and you need to reach for things. And we just put a little lip around the edge, and we um, painted it, and it became a changing table. So that's a product that we've we've uh, developed and we use with many of our clients. And now, when you say a product, do you, do you mean that that the concept of the reuse and the, the repurposing? Yeah, the concept of the reuse, and many of our products that we design are from FSC certified woods. Um, the the um, eco-friendly synthetic materials that you put in upholstery and just we've really moved in that direction of being very conscientious of how we build our new pieces when we do build new pieces many pieces we do build you know that are new versus refurbishing like i've mentioned we make a really concerted effort to make sure the materials are uh, reusable our reused materials are not you know, non-toxic paints for example voc low voc paints all of that, and many of our clients, we've developed a subspecialty in children's playrooms and nurseries. So in that instance, we have to be really very careful about any sort of hazardous toxins and, and um, all very eco-friendly because um, kids or babies tend to be more sensitive, and um, that's actually, we had a situation with a client whose child had horrendous, I mean, awful eczema. And he seemed to be allergic to everything and anything, and mm-hmm. no one really could identify what he was allergic to. But mm-hmm. we knew, as you know, the, the family's designer, and from the parent's perspective, we, we created a playroom for him, and it's completely eco-friendly. Um, and that was inspired by this little child that was suffering from the onset of his life. So we've we put wallpaper um, on the ceiling just for effect, and it's a a paper made by a company out of Great Britain called Crimson, Dominant Crimson, and it's all water-based inks, and it's um, uh, the papers are all recycled papers, and uh, all of it. We did a um, rug on the floor, which is called what we call one of our products is called the re-rug, and what we do is we take remnants of carpet that would otherwise be unused from a large corporate installer here in Los Angeles, and we design patterns. They, we use these unused remnants and create what we call the re-rug. So oh, it's that's clever. Sort of, I like that. <laughs> re-rug. Yeah, so, and they're fun and whimsical, and they're really custom. Um, so, but every item in, the, in that particular playroom is, is very environmentally friendly. Now, the, the re-rug product, I'm curious, too, does that incorporate in, in um, your average installation remnants from uh, previous rugs in, uh, from, the, from the family, or is it usually No, it's actually, external? I mean, well, we have taken existing rugs and, and expanded them because sometimes a family will have a rug and it doesn't fit into their new space, so mm-hmm. we add a border to it. That's one way of, of but that's not what we consider the re-rug. The re-rug is... There's a big warehouse company that, that does large commercial installations here in Los Angeles, and we have a good relationship with them. And they have lots of what they refer to as remnant carpets that just are left over from installations that they've done. Mm-hmm. And they're unused, mind you. Mm-hmm. And when I introduce this concept to some of my clients, they think, wait, I don't really want to have like a dirty, soiled rug in my baby's room. But 
please keep in mind these are unused remnants. Okay. So we basically take something that would otherwise not be used, and we create an, a, a specific design for that environment, and that's what we call our re-rugs. Okay, that, that's really cool. Now, I'm curious, too. It's, it's interesting this came up because I was just talking the other day with somebody about depile versus Berber. We were talking about putting a carpet in a space. I'm like, well, of course we'd want that to be. It was actually in our our children's homeschool cooperative that we put together and, mm-hmm. and we were talking about like short pile versus deep pile. I don't know if that's the right terminology, but yeah, short pile or long pile, a long uh-huh. pile. And, and so is that, are you finding that most in order to be, and obviously I think you went to the, probably with this, the nursery you were talking about, it was the extreme of creating this sort of almost like hypoallergenic environment yeah, for, the, for the, the chemically sensitive child or the, uh, the you know, the uh, allergic child. But in general, are you seeing it be the shorter pile rugs? I mean, do you recommend that? In terms of allergy? In terms of really just maintaining a healthy home. Um, I think it depends on the rug. I mean, in some instances, um, it depends on the functionality of the space. And some clients prefer a wool rug, mm-hmm. and, that's, and they're actually um, more easily cleanable because of the natural lanolins that are in the, the rugs. And it's also a, dependent upon the price point. But I'm getting more and more requests of making making sure that the rugs are um, not allergen provoking, and, and there are certain rugs that just like you can choose your pillows for your home that mm-hmm. are you know in your bed that are you know allergen free. Mm-hmm. There are certain companies that make like a Dupont that make a particular type of rug that are specific to um, helping those with allergies, but also that don't use um, harsh chemicals in the dyeing process. Some some of these actual rugs are vegetable dyed. Um, and so we just like to sh- offer our clients our first and foremost um, thing that we look at when we design is what the client's needs are, the aesthetic, the functionality, but we also like to put in the two cents of the environment and from our end if we're not getting it from the client. And often it's really a, a two-way street. And most often I think our clientele, we're lucky and fortunate in that they are proactive about pursuing, make sure this product doesn't have, is this product been, is it, you know, eco-friendly, et cetera, et cetera. And there's so many choices. There's just a plethora of choices we have now in our marketplace and interiors of fabrics, how you, what you put something in, what materials you put inside products, um, the, upholst- the upholstery, the framing. Um, there's so many options. There's great companies that are coming up that actually have reclaimed materials that they've turned in, like a wine barrel, into a great chandelier. Um, so there's so many options to explore that clients are open to. Interesting. So, and when when you are forced to go outside of existing materials that are natural materials, whether we're talking about, you know, the, the what you just mentioned, like a chandelier or, uh, you know, a set of drawers or uh, carpet or what have you, are are you strictly going with the natural materials and and the non? synthetic the non um you know petroleum based products and things like that or or are you sort of letting the client drive it and trying to encourage them sort of in the greener direction as it were I, again yeah we're, we're trying to drive it and often we're in a situation we i guess in the past year or so we're finding that clients are so proactive in pursuing that alternative as well but often we use we we approach being environmentally sensitive in the way that you're speaking about in terms of only offering or looking for the products that are eco-friendly from the Mm get-go, are we what we kind of call, I don't know a better term for it, but we kind of up up green or um, 
my friend just used a really good uh, name for it, where you have an existing product and otherwise it would be thrown away or put in a dump or who knows that we're actually utilizing like the, the example of a re-rug. Right, right. So it works for both both directions. Well, I really, I really love that idea. And whenever I encounter ideas like that, I think they're really cool because, you know, there's, there are, there are the sentimental values of reuse of old materials. So you don't lose them. Uh, you know, I know that I, I, I don't consider myself an overly sentimental person, but my, my son has a little football ceramic football player that, that I was, yeah. was my father's and his nursery and was mine and my nursery and was his and his nursery. And it, it unfortunately suffered a, a fall like Humpty Dumpty and broke into several uh-huh. pieces. But I, I, here I was, you know, the other day bringing back to the ceramic restoration shop, which I didn't even know existed next to my favorite Mexican restaurant. Yeah, oh, <laughs> you know? yeah they exist. You just can't find them. You never notice them. But there are these people that can do amazing work. Yeah. And just basically rebuild something that is sentimental. You find yourself, especially with children, I think, and I'm a mother of two, just really sentimental about certain items and um, being so much more conscientious about our environment and what we're going to be leaving behind for them. So and again, ha- you're, yeah. there, you're there, you know, you model for them and they my kids at such an early age know about so many elements and they're reinforcing it at their school if we show up in the lunch and my child's lunchbox at her kindergarten with a plastic bag we're almost shunned i mean it's yeah. It's very serious, and things, they take it very seriously. Things have changed. It's a that, really good thing. Yeah, that's good. well, things have changed. And, I mean, this is a place where, in terms of the incorporation of these materials um, in, in furniture and things like that, it's it's really form-meeting function. You know, it, it's something that I always feel very... Um, tentative about purchasing brand new materials regardless of their sourcing just basically from a i'm incorporating this into my home and there's a lot of concern about you know the artistic feel and you're, you know, there's a lot of ownership about it but if it's something that sort of is already familiar to you uh or it has it's there's more warmth there's a coldness to purchasing something that's just completely foreign uh that's going to be a centerpiece in a room or home especially something like a nursery certainly or a living room but when exactly. it has you know when when, when the when the end table is from you know a wine barrel that you made your own wine in, or you know what I mean, something yeah, like that. You can't get more. You can't get more personal than that. Yeah. So that's I, I'm really fascinated. I had no idea going into this interview that that was actually one one of your specialties that, that hadn't come up in my research. So well, what's interesting too is that I didn't realize, having done this for so many years, even working with my previous employer, I didn't know that this is a that it was really a green approach until you know when now we realize that as responsible people and as designers that this, there's no alternative but to design this way mm-hmm. refurbishing old you know and also and going forward and designing something new is to be as conscientious as you can about being um, eco-conscious yeah. and uh, so it was something that kind of I was passionate about and I enjoyed it and didn't really know that we were actually doing good so I'm, I'm happy to know that there there's a nice symbiosis between my uh, passion of what I was doing and actually doing something that's you know uh, sensitive to the environment. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to I want to talk more on that when we come back. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we will be right back. We're talking about eco-friendly interior design concepts with Laura Fishman, who is the principal and founder of Storm Interiors, and we will be right back. Listen to Living Green, Effortless Ecology for Everyday People, a weekly online audio program featuring champions of sustainable living at personallifemedia.com. Okay. 
Okay, hi everybody. We're back with Laura Fishman from Storm Interiors. She's the principal and founder. We're talking about eco-friendly design concepts. And um, when we were before the break, Laura, we were you were talking about uh, the idea of uh, well, just really just about the, you know the materials and, and incorporating old materials and things like that, and the fact that your passion sort of dovetailed with environmental environmentally friendly. Uh, I don't want to call it trends because hopefully it's here to stay, but environmentally, yeah, exactly. uh, environmentally concerned times, I'll say that. And, and that is, that is nice when, when sort of that, you know, that up, updraft sort of catches you or the, you know, that, um, opportunity meets a reality like that. Um, how have you seen in the eight years that you've had this business? How has that changed or grown or has it, I mean, are we at like some explosive peak right now for you or, you know, can you kind of give us a, a tell back of the last few years? In terms of how this In terms evolved. of trends and, and volume of a number yeah, of people think, that are doing this. Well, initially just getting information and we're, you know, and when you do what you do, you read all the trade books and you see more and more issues dedicated initially years back there wasn't going to be a green issue of our green segment of say domino magazine they have it you know at minimum once a year an extra section dedicated to green interior design or green living um and many publications now have it every month they have something included i mean oh at home has a whole segment coastal living i mean every you have to there's blogs as you know dedicated to because, you know, eco design blogs that are yeah. just, you know, just... So it's been this initially just getting products that were eco-friendly and then seeing that basically every company that we've worked with has an eco line and moving more in that direction. And then, you know, you see it in the media and, like I mentioned, but... And then it's... So it's just been growing, and I don't think that it's peaked. I don't think that it's a trend. I, you know, and again, I know that's not what you were saying, but just for lack of a better expression, it's just a direction that we are all needing to be in. And, and any designer that you know hasn't jumped on the bandwagon, um, and I mean that in a good way, mm-hmm. um, will ha- will be will have to. Um, so, and it, and it, it for someone in my position, it's just a real creative challenge to keep something. You know, in design, you think interior design, oh, pretty, lovely. Well, keeping a, a certain aesthetic that's appropriate for whomever you're designing, but also have it be eco-balanced. It's that balance that that's what the challenge is. Um, uh, we have, we're doing a project now that I don't think I would have done a couple of years ago. I have a friend, um, and she's gutting a bathroom in her home, and she's very uh, conscientious of our environment, and wanted to kind of look to me in terms of what can I do to uh, remodel the bathroom to make sure it's more eco-friendly, et cetera, et cetera. So we're doing certain things like radiant heat and, you know, in the heating element of it to tiling and preventing mold so that if you do, and I didn't, this isn't something that I really realized this, but this is something I learned that tiling as much as you can in a bathroom and hopefully it's eco-friendly tile or recycled glass tile or what have you, if you put tile in, it'll help prevent that kind of mold that then is toxic to the environment, then you'd have to actually, you know, tear everything down and then redo, so it's using new materials all over again, so it's really good to approach the design of a newer, a, remo- a new bath bar, even a used in good shape, say, bath fixture, a faucet today, to find a certain, but the more people that approach design, the more the inventory will be available, so it's been an education for me in doing this because I've gone online, I've gone to my vendors and resources finding what do you have that has been rejected from a job or that you, you know, 
don't know what to do with, you want to get off your sheet, you want to move inventory or that's unused, you know, anywhere from my bathroom, my plumbing fixture specialist to my cabinet guy, like I mentioned, right straight into my own garage. Um, we're putting some lights in her bathroom, a pendant fixture that's, that I actually got off of eBay, and it's a Japanese filigree pendant globe that we're going to just paint up and, and put it on the ceiling. And so we can be very, uh, we can have you know, the experience and knowledge of what, what, it, what it will it take in terms of the furnishings to keep it environmentally friendly, but also from, you know, everywhere in terms of how we, what, how do we approach the heating, um, the natural lighting. Um, she has a window. We're increasing that window size right now to help, you know, sustain, to get in some more natural light. So obviously she would need to use her electricity as much. So there's all kinds of things. There's obviously certain even toilets that are available right now um, that are more uh, eco-conscious. And um, so all of these things are, it's an education for me. And all the products, the plethora of products that are so much more available now than they would have been. So I see this back to your question. I know I go kind of far off from mm -hmm. the direction we were talking initially. That's okay. This wouldn't have been a thought in my brain years back. And the products that are available to us would not even we're not even on the market. Right. Yeah. So. No, things have been have changed quite a bit. And you mentioned uh, with like toilets, for example, and you're talking about things like dual flush and composting toilets and right. products like that. Is that accurate? Yes. Dual okay. flush. Dual flush. Yeah. Yeah. Which is default in Europe, and here it's like a specialty toilet. Wow, you have a dual flush. How cool. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately. Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, one of the aspects of this that fascinates me the most is you know one of the questions that I typically end up asking on behalf of interested listeners uh is about cost because you know it's like okay well what's it going to cost me to go green in whatever the topic is and that's yeah. a that's always a fair question it's not to say that that's the most important question but it's it's something that people need to budget for right and understand but yeah. what's really interesting about this the reuse concept or getting um you know extra materials and things like that is it would seem to me correct me if i'm wrong that that's going to mitigate uh some of those costs where it's not a premium you know, uh, as premium of a purchase as it is to go back and say to somebody, you know, using extra inventory or things like that. Is that accurate? It is accurate um, because many of those products that we, I've just developed sort of a warehouse of items that I've just, I've become sort of a vintage shopper online and offline and an auctioneer fanatic for better or for worse. And so I've collected items that would have maybe been sitting in somebody else's garage had they not sold them. Um, but I have products that I sell to my clients that I actually refurbish and reuse for myself in my, our home or for my office. And they're, rel they're incredibly inexpensive compared to, say, the same light fixture that I mentioned, the filigree pendant globe, globe that I mentioned. If we were to have that made or buy it somewhere, it would be exorbitant. I know. I mean, I see these items that are for sale in certain showrooms, and they are so it, it does offset it. I think that's a really good approach, and I think our clients appreciate that. They see that, that I mean, many clients are say, urge me, well, can we, find a, can, it, can we find a vintage one? Can we find a vintage one? You know, because they know that often that can be less costly. It's not always the case. Um, you know, like the real McCoy vintage, say a Paul McCobb dresser, and that's going to be more expensive, but, you know, depending on the client, their budget, and their desire. But often it, it, that's a very good point that you're making. It does offset the cost because we do know that often the greener approach that you take in design can also be more costly. But I think that that margin comparing that cost with, say, just designing on a, in a traditional way, in a non-eco way, that margin's narrowing. Yeah, um, that's Because good. the fact that more consumers, just the supply-demand issue, more consumers are doing this, it's like 
the same thing, and I'm sure you know, you probably mentioned this analogy with flat screen TVs when they first came out, really expensive. Now they're becoming less so because there's more of a demand. So. That's right. Yes, as as you know, these things as these things become uh, more mainstream, it certainly can drive the price down. Um, exactly. And so that is that is a good thing for all. Of course, it also has comes with a negative side, which is you end up with companies um, and providers that uh, are sort of freight training on the, the, the green marketing uh, or the ability to you know appear green and aren't really right. don't have the sort of wholesome commitment to it that maybe the pioneers did. Uh, but that just goes with the territory. There's no. It does. Uh, it's no just with any business. You know, in bringing that up, I get a digest, a daily digest from the American Society of Interior Designers. It's called Design Daily, and they have a section on it dedicated specifically to sustainable design. And um, I think it was even today is that there's a little, yeah, today a little article uh, about what they do is they take information from all over the country or the world, and they just make it more succinct and the daily journals. It's published articles that they then republish in this journal. And I guess in the Palm Beach Post, um, they decided among the Palm Beach County School Board members that um, all future school design, all the construction will be green. And um, that even with the added construction cost of the green, it's only about 2% over standard costs. Wow. So I thought that was really interesting. Just speaking to your point, that that, mm-hmm. you know, the, first of all, that this school community in Florida is making this commitment and that the added construction costs are, nom- are very, very nominal, 2%. Well, that's and good then, to hear because it, yeah. I think I think a lot of unfortunately I think a lot of individuals and organizations probably tend not to implement their green building projects not for lack of enlightenment as it were but for maybe an irrational or unfounded fear of cost overages that right. that may not exist so it, that it's may not exist so they just have to be better educated about the fact that it and it, it's obviously how much you're saving in the future not just financially with less you know energy bills etc but how it's impacting the environment less so. Yeah. Well, I, we're going to take one more quick break and then we're going to be back. And I have some questions uh, for you, Laura, about um, hopefully giving some some other, both for those uh, who are residential uh, homeowners and commercial building owners, uh, as well as maybe designers who are budding to be more eco-friendly designers out there, more tips uh, from you about materials in the home and things like that, if we can leave people on that note. So uh, we'll be right back talking about eco-friendly design Uh, with Laura Fishman, who is the principal and founder at Storm Interiors at stominteriors.com. We'll be right back. Listen to Living Green, effortless ecology for everyday people, a weekly online audio program featuring champions of sustainable living at personallifemedia.com. Okay, and we are back. We're talking about eco-friendly interior design. My guest today is Laura Fishman, principal and founder at Storm Interiors in Santa Monica, California. Laura, I just was curious if you could maybe share, I mean, really what one of the things I really like to do with my the website uh, as well as on this program is, you know, and certainly that's been happening in this interview. You've delivered a lot of good information and tips to people. I'm wondering if you might have any others, uh, again, both, both for homeowners, commercial building owners that are potential clients of yours or other designers, as well as designers out there, 
do you have tips for, you know, things like maybe other things to watch out? And you picked the bathroom. We've also talked about nurseries. Are there other areas of a home or a business um, in terms of, you know, the types of materials that you would recommend, other tips you might leave people with? Um, well, I think the obvious thing that we've talked about, the dual flush toilet and plumbing, how you approach your air conditioning and heat in your home, insulation, um, preventing mold. and So there's these certain construction tips that we've kind of talked about. But, you know, one example I can give or a tip is that something that you may have or own that, or that you see that may be finished with, it's just kind of keeping in mind and being somewhat creative and, well, how can we take this and, and give it a different spirit or, or repurpose it? Um, like I mentioned, the vintage changer, uh, many parents and such may have some dressers that they may want to change into a changing table. Um, also, just when you're shopping at any particular product that you like, find out, you know, what, what are their eco, being more um, forthcoming yourself and aggressive about finding the products from your manufacturers or what have you that are eco-friendly and promoting those particular companies, buy from those companies and not so much for the ones that haven't gone in that direction. Um, you know, I if you have items that are laying around, I mean, I recently know of someone who created a really beautiful um, bookcase um, from, from lumber and old piping, and they needed a, just a, a bookcase or storage in their garage, and they took this old, this old scrap lumber and piping. It's it's amazing what you start, how your brain starts to open up when you sort of look to see around you what's available, what's available that you have within reach. Um, you know, I think that it's a matter of reaching out to people that have share the common interests that you have. Like we had to with our bathroom situation with this friend that I mentioned, where I reached out to my cabinet person um, and others that urging them. They, and everyone was so receptive and happy to be a part of it. That, that was what was so, I think, um, exciting about this project is that others are just as interested and committed than you would, more than you would expect. So I, I think it's about the person who's driving the design, about homeowners really thinking about, oh, that my, old, my grandmother's Victorian cabinet, I'm really not into Victorian, you know, I'm more of a modernist. Well, you know, give it a different life. Paint it a color, you know, put in some uh, old leaded glass in it that, you know, that may appear a little bit, may appear a little bit off and quirky, but that's what makes pieces interesting. That's what gives a space its personality, and that's what makes it belong to the owner. Um, that's what I really would encourage people to do. Okay, and when to reiterate one thing you said earlier, too, which I really resonated was about choosing where, where you need to choose new materials, choose durable ones, because as a former guest on the show uh, once said, there's, there's nothing really greener than things that last forever. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. Great. Well, great. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the program and sharing all the it's information. My pleasure. Yeah. It's, uh, it's very informative, and it reminds me a lot of um, there was a, a recycled clothing company, a Karen Craven from Burning Torch. I don't know if you know the company. Yeah, but, I do. Oh, okay. Well, torch, yeah, yeah. yeah, very similar in terms of the clothing industry of this idea of reusing vintage items and and repurposing them to yeah, satisfy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. I mean, in, uh, in terms of fashion, obviously interiors and uh, fashion are very closely related, and they inspire one another. Um, I mean, Barney's 
you know, the sort of the creme de la creme of fashion as um, has its own eco line that Stella McCartney has designed for them. Um, she's collaborating with Adidas to, she's creating teas out of bamboo and polyester and um, organic cotton. It's, it's just, it's the direction that many of the fashion, uh, fashionistas and manufacturers are, are going in and that's it's spilling into interiors um, and vice versa. Yeah. Well, design leads the any industry, whether it's fashion or uh, home building or what have you. And LA is certainly uh, the LA area is certainly a hotbed, as is Paris. And so it's good to see it starting there because I, I only expect that that trend will continue and spread into other parts of the world. Yeah, great. Well, my guest again today has been Laura Fishman, who is the principal and founder of Storm Interiors. You can find them online at www.storminteriors.com. Laura, thanks again. Thank you so much. Thanks as always to everyone listening in today. Remember, for more free on-demand podcasts, articles, videos, and other information related to living a greener lifestyle, visit our website at www.greenlivingideas.com. We'd also love to hear your comments, feedback, and questions. Send us an email at editors at greenlivingideas.com. Find more great shows like this on personallifemedia.com.